All right, let's all stand, please. And uh, we'll read uh, some passages of Scripture. Actually, three passages of Scripture regarding the rapture of the church. Amen? So we uh, had just seen the how and why Christ is coming again in the first phase of His coming. And now we will study about the when. All right? Don't be shocked. I'm not putting up a specific date, time, and hour. But I'm talking about the nearness, you know? And uh, the seasons that we're in, uh, the Romans uh, in uh, the end of the last days, the latter end of the last days. Uh, a lot of preachers like Dr. Livioko and others that I know, uh, they still believe that Christ could come right now in their lifetime, you know? Like our young people here, it, he might come in our lifetime, in your lifetime, and uh, as we see what's happening in the world right now. So our first one is First Corinthians chapter 15, these three specific uh, verses of Scripture. If you are uh, a dispensationalist, you know, if you believe in God's administration on the timeline, in rightly dividing the word of truth, this can be clearly seen in the studies of the scripture. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. Let's start with verse 50. Then also we'll turn to John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. And also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. We will just read all these passages of scripture, then we'll end our service. <laughs> you like that, no? Amen. I will do some... <laughs> A little exposition, and I know um, uh, we have still have some space, amen? A lot of space in our spiritual cup today. How many of you are blessed since this morning, amen? Yeah. I know we had an elaborated service today with Brother Braille, but you know, it's the Lord's Day anyway. So we'll just enjoy God's Word, we'll enjoy the fellowship with one another. Who knows, you know, before the end of the service, Christ would come and uh, we'll be ushered into eternity, you know? And what um, the best place we could be right now is in the sanctuary of the Lord, in the house of God. But uh, we know, we know He is good and faithful all the time. So let's read it all together. First Corinthians 15, verse 50 up to 52, begin. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither that corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen? We shall be changed. It's a certainty because it is from the Word of God. And John chapter 14, I think this was mentioned a while ago in a lot of uh, the comments of those uh, Bible teachers and pastors. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. You're there, say amen. amen. All right, let's read all together. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Praise the Lord. And turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. All right? 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 4, verse 13, actually all the way to 18. Alright, if you're there, say amen. 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 Let's read it all together, begin. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you. We bless your name. We are so grateful, Lord, for the living word of God that gives us encouragement, instructions. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity whereby, Lord, we can look at these passage, passages of Scripture and we can uh, derive, Lord, encouragement for them that it says on the last part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, as we see the day approaching of your near return, that we need to be comforted. We need to be uh, motivated. We need to be uh, assured, Lord, that as we are uh, saved, as we are born again to God's family, we thank you, Lord, that you will secure your people, your bride. And uh, before the judgment and the wrath of God will be poured out into this uh, uh, rejecting world, Lord. So we just pray that you bless our Bible study right now. Uh, hide me behind the cross. Give me the wisdom and strength. And keep us safe as we worship you in this place. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. Okay, I don't have any PowerPoints or slides because I just want this to be simple. As we look back at our first passage of Scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to uh, uh, all the way to 53, or we even uh, read verse 50, I just want to point out that verse, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. So the title of our message is, We Shall Not All Sleep. <laughs> Hope you will not sleep. <laughs> and you know, this is one of the passages of scripture that's favorite in the nursery place, you know. The babies will not all sleep, but they will be changed, you know. Because we don't want them to sleep with uh, number two or number one in their diapers. It's bad. Alright, we don't have them not to have diaper rashes or something. But uh, kidding aside... We know when it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. What is a mystery in the scripture? It is a truth that was not previously revealed in the Old Testament, but right now can be seen in the New Testament. Like the church, isn't it? That the one body that the saved Jewish believers and Gentile believers will be in one body, the body of Christ. That was a mystery in the Old Testament, but it's revealed to us right now. So these three... Um, Wonderful passages of scripture are the key verses when it comes to the teaching uh, of the rapture of the church. And as Pastor Max has been uh, our pastor for many, many years, I believe his view uh, is stand for the coming of Christ is that it is pre-tribulational, isn't it? Yeah. 
premillennial. When it comes to the rapture, it's pre-tribulational. So, if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, according to my study Bible here, especially in verse 17, although the word rapture does not occur in the English Bible, the Latin Bible uses the verb here from which the rapture is derived from, from the word raptus. And the Greek word harpaso, or the word they're caught up, means to be seized or to be snatched. Actually, it's to be violently taken away, you know, suddenly taken away. So this uh, word uh, rapture is not in our English King James Version of the Bible, but in the Latin Vulgate, it's there. That's why we get that English translation, rapture. But in essence, the idea is expressed in the words caught up. So the rapture, uh, personally, I believe this in the study of the scripture, is the first phase of Christ's return. Because the second phase is his second coming, his revelation after the seven years of the great tribulation. So two distinct events, two distinct purposes, two distinct group of people. Amen? That is referring here, if you believe in dispensation. So... The rapture is the first phase of Christ's return involving every Christian alive at the time. These Christians will be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds instantaneously, instantaneously receiving glorified bodies. All those who have died in Christ will be resurrected. Those who are alive and saved at the time of the rapture will be caught up with Christ before the start of the 70th week of Daniel or the great tribulation or what we call Jacob's trouble. There are many reasons to believe that the rapture precedes the tribulation, but fundamentally this view is consistent with the historical grammatical interpretation of the scriptures. So, in eschatology, in Bible prophecy, especially in the coming of Christ, it is important to remember that almost all Christians agree on these three things. First, there is coming a time of great tribulation such as the world has never seen. Second, after the tribulation, Christ will return to establish his kingdom on earth. And thirdly, there will be a rapture or a translation from mortality to immortality for believers. Amen? As we see in John 14, 1 to 3 that we read, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. And among evangelicals, Christendom, there are also three views or theories about the rapture. There is the pre-tribulationism, the belief that the rapture will occur before the tribulation begins. There is the mid-tribulationism, mid-trib, so to speak, that the rapture will occur at the midpoint of the tribulation, at three and a half years, and post-tribulationism uh, that believe that rapture will occur at the end of the tribulation. So, for us as a church and as your pastor, we hold on the pre-tribulational view of the rapture of Christ because it is sound scripturally. So I got this from uh, GodQuestions.org. It's just a very summary of why we believe this. So I just want to share it to you. The pre-tribulation view has much to commend it. The Bible supports it. For example, the church is not appointed to wrath. Amen? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 9 and 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Alright, the Bible says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how ye turned to God 
from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, notice the last phrase, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So the great tribulation, the seven years, is actually God's wrath being poured into a uh, rejecting world of the gospel of the love of Jesus. And aren't you glad God is still merciful Amen. until right now? And uh, as I mentioned before, as we look at uh, the day and age we're living in, uh, um, Israel was reborn as a nation from May 14, 1948. It's actually the, the key, as we look at the Middle East, especially Israel and Jerusalem, the key to end time prophecy, the time clock, isn't it? Is the one that centers it, the uh, nation of Israel. And we see that uh, we don't have to have a specific sign for the rapture to come because it's imminent. But we know the seasons and the sign of the coming of the great tribulation, the uh, revelation of the Antichrist, because it seems like we are seeing it in our generation right now. Amen? Everything that the world... Word of God has said in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, the increase of knowledge, the increase of travel, the global communication, and Ezekiel chapter 37 and 38, the rebirth of the nation of Israel, Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3, that we're living in the perilous time, amen? Matthew chapter 24, that we are living like in the days of Noah before the judgment, the wrath of God will be poured. So there are a lot of things, cashless society, the globalism of happening of uh, the one world government, one world religion, one world economy. So those, all these things are culminating, setting up the stage of the coming of the great tribulation, especially the coming of that false messiah, uh, the Antichrist. But before that would happen, of course, we know we will be taken out. Amen? We'll be raptured, we'll be delivered from the wrath that is to come. So... It could happen in our lifetime, and that's the good news. That's why we can find those words, comfort one another with these words. So the church of Philadelphia also was promised to be kept from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world. That's found in Revelation 3.10. So let's turn there, Revelation 3.10. All right, Revelation 3.10. Okay, the Bible says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Notice that the promise is not preservation through the trial, but deliverance from the hour of the trial. That is from the time period of this great tribulation. That's why I believe for the second reason, we are not destined to wrath, we'll be kept from the trial. Thirdly, Pre-tribulationism also finds support in what is not found in Scripture. Because the word church appears 19 times in the first three chapters of Revelation. But significantly, the word is not used again until chapter 22. You won't see the church from, I believe, Revelation chapter 5 all the way to chapter 22. When it depicts, it describes the great tribulation that will be happening in this world. Why? Because the church was not here. It was raptured. It was taken away before that great wrath and judgment will be poured into this world. So, um, pre-tribulationism uh, pre is the only theory also and view which clearly maintains the distinction between Israel and the church and God's separate plans for each 
The 77s of Daniel 9.24 are decreed upon Daniel's people, the Jews, and Daniel's holy city, Jerusalem. This prophecy makes it plain that the 70th week or the tribulation is a time of purging and restoration for Israel and Jerusalem, not for the church. Amen? Not for the church. Another reason we believe in pre-trib is, is his historical support. Let's turn to John chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. John chapter 21. You know, um, this is a very interesting passage of scripture. And I also uh, include John chapter 14 as a passage of the rapture because personally I believe John the beloved, John the apostle who wrote this, and also the epistles of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you know, and also Revelation, are, is the one who lived the most, isn't it? He's a martyr. He was, I believe, he was able to be, uh, able to have a grasp of the writings of Paul, and Paul uh, admonished the people about the rapture, amen? About the coming of Christ in his epistle in 1st Thessalonians, and also 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Corinthians. So he got a hold of that understanding, that's why he included it in his gospel in John chapter 14. Unlike the other disciples, another, the other writers of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, they did not have those writings in, 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 in their uh, epistles. So we see here in John 21, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, actually this is uh, the story about the writer of this gospel, isn't it? When he says, then Peter, in verse 20, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also lean on his breast at supper. That's why he is a disciple that Jesus loved. He's a disciple that's always in the chest breast of Jesus, who's very uh, supportive uh, with him, part of the inner circle. He says there, he was on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing saith, Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will, that he tarry, Till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying or rumor among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Who is this? John the Beloved, isn't it? The writer of Revelation, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. You know, the epistle of John and the gospel of John. And there is a saying that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Now he said, this is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. It would seem, according to this passage of Scripture, that the early church viewed Christ's return as imminent, that it could happen also in their lifetime, that he could return at any moment, because Christ said in this passage of Scripture in John 21, if I tarry till I come, what is it to thee? So they have this saying, oh, Christ will not come until John the Beloved dies. You know? But we see that it seems, it seems like it was literally fulfilled in the life of, of John because he was able to see the risen Lord, isn't it? He was able to have an encounter with him when he penned the book of Revelation in the Isle of Patmos. Remember? In Revelation chapter 1, he saw Jesus Christ in his glorified state. Of course, he did not come literally on the earth, but he was able to have that interaction with him with a glimpse of him so he did not really die physically until he had seen the savior glorified but they were expecting 
for him to come during their lifetime because of this saying of what was given to John the Beloved. So another reason, the pre-tribulational view seems to be the most in keeping with God's character and his desire to deliver the righteous from the judgment of the world. Biblical examples of God's salvation include Noah, isn't it? God saved Noah and his family, eight of them, uh, from the annihilation and the judgment of the wickedness of the people during that time. He also delivered Lot, who was uh, called just, you know, and righteous because of, you know, his faith in the Lord, even though he was a carnal man before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he, dis he, he delivered Noah and his family before the worldwide flood. Lot was delivered from the fire and brimstone in Sodom and Gomorrah. And even, you know, Rahab, if you remember him. Remember her, who was delivered from Jericho because of his faith and his uh, uh, good deed of keeping the spies of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 and 9, it tells us of this woman named Rahab, who has a bad reputation, ill reputation, a harlot, but he put his faith and trust in the one true living God, in Jehovah. And he risked something for the Lord, and God blessed him, and God grant, grant her, you know, uh, salvation. So we see here that these are the reasons why we believe in the pre-tribulational. To summarize it, not one time is the church mentioned in a text discussing the Great Tribulation. In all the writings of Paul, the church is never mentioned in connection with the tribulation or the wrath of God. The church already has been judged at Calvary. It's sin, all believers. The pictures of, you know, Rahab, Noah, uh, Lot, pictures of Enoch also, uh, all Bible types of uh, God's, you know, uh, redeeming grace, God's deliverance for his people. And Revelation 19 pictures the church in heaven during the tribulation, but most of all, the imminency of Christ's coming. Amen? That it could happen any moment. That's why when we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, once again, it seems like uh, Paul here is encouraging the people because they thought Christ would be coming in their lifetime, but they did not have the whole, you know, Bible. They did not have revelation yet during this time. So they haven't seen the whole picture, and they saw some of their loved ones, some of the believers in Christ already died, and they thought that they see, they, 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 they miss the second coming of Christ. But they didn't know that they are part of those dead in Christ. That's why we see here in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. You know, Paul is just simply saying, I have something very important I want to tell you. It says there, Concerning them which are asleep, asleep here is a euphemism. It's like a, a, a word that's used, that's a, a word that is offensive or hurtful. A word is used instead of it is a substitute. It's like sleep. It's like somebody who died or who departed from this life. Like uh, you relieve yourself. It's like not using the word urinate, you know? So this is a euphemism of that. And of course, this is talking about Christians who died in the Lord. This is not soul sleep. This is not, you know, uh, unconscious uh, uh, spirit and soul of a believer just floating in heaven. No, this is speaking of a temporal, you know, death of the body. Amen? The body is just in the grave 
or somewhere in the dust of the earth is just sleeping, awaiting for this great resurrection day. This great time of the rapture where, as we read here, the dead in Christ will be resurrected to glory. So it says there, which are asleep, those who died in Christ from the church age, from the time that Christ resurrected from the grave and ascended up into heaven, everybody that put their faith and trust in Jesus since the time on until the last day of somebody will get saved, you know, in the times of this church age. These are the dead in Christ, you know, these are the ones that are asleep. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So that's why we are encouraged whenever a believer dies, who is with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Who is in Christ, we are encouraged that we should not sorrow as others who sorrow because they don't have any hope. Our hope is a certain expectation. Amen? It's not just like, I wish, I maybe, or, but it is a guaranteed thing that will come to pass. Amen? Amen. Because it says there, it is a blessed hope in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are still hoping we can still rejoice in the midst of mourning and suffering and weeping because of this promise that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do we believe that this afternoon? Amen. Amen. We believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world. For my sin, he shed his blood, but also he rose again. Even so to them which sleep, once again, you know, in Jesus, these are the people who died in the Lord. Will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by, once again, the word of the Lord. It's the scripture that tells us of this wonderful assurance that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. So this tells us that there is no advantage between the living and the dead. We don't have any advantage right now of the times of the rapture because we will all be changed. Amen? Amen. But the advantage is what will you do for Christ? What you do while you're living in this life? Amen? Your stewardship, your faithfulness unto the Lord. So we will not precede them which are asleep in verse 16 for the Lord himself. So we can see here, you know, uh, the doctrine, the belief of the rapture is sudden. Amen? Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trap, it's suddenness of it. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, specific, uh, specifics of it. It is, you know, the dead in Christ and we which are alive and remain. And what we can see here is that this is such an exciting event for the people of God, if you are really looking for His appearing. And there's a blessing, I believe, it's what we call the crown of righteousness. That people will get, believers will get for those who love Christ's appearing. It is promised. And what a great you know, reminder for us this afternoon. That there should always be a remnant in our church. Amen? Who love His appearing. Who will worship. Who will work. Who will watch. Who will wait for His soon Return for the Lord Himself. I'm glad it is Jesus Himself that will descend. He will not ask an angel. He will not ask an Old Testament saint. He will not ask a believer who's alive right now, who's a great Christian, but Himself. And we know God has descended from before, like in the Old Testament. 
is what we call the Christophany, the pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus. You know, when he met with Abraham, he, he, he came as the angel of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. L-O-R-D. Whenever you see that, uh, specifically, that's Jesus Christ. You know, in the times of Abraham, the times of before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So he descended before, but of course, 2,000 years ago, he descended from heaven's glory, heaven's portal. In his first advent, when he came as a humble, humble lamb to be slain, you know, on the cross. He came as a humble Savior, as a meek and lowly Savior. He descended into this world, and when he died on the cross of Calvary for three days and three nights, he even descended, the Bible says, the book of Psalms, in the lower parts of the earth. He descended into what we called Abraham's bosom, and he preached to them in Ephesians that he led captivity captive. He said, you know what? You've been waiting for the final sacrifice, the complete perfect sacrifice, whatever you've been doing in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system of those lambs, those bullocks, those pigeons, those burnt sacrifice, those sacrifice, you know, pertaining about the coming Messiah, it's been fulfilled in me. He preached to them and now redemption is complete for you and he opened the doors of heaven and they were able to go there. And then, he ascended up again on that borrowed tomb and after three days he rose again. And then he ascended into heaven and he promised in John 14 that he will come again. Amen? So the Lord himself, it's Jesus Christ himself, will descend from heaven with a shout. What do you think is the shout? Might be in Hebrew, isn't it? I have a, I have a theory. Maybe it's a shout when he called out Lazarus from the grave. Come forth. I don't know what in Hebrew is that, you know? Ano sa Ilocano yun? Oh, my can. O kaya kabampangan. Siguro, come forth. Like, uh, an invitation. Come. Ibisen? Huh? We will hear it because of all these things. What is that? We'll hear the voice of the archangel and a trumpet. As you've heard before, a trumpet is used in the scripture to do several things, isn't it? Sometimes it's used for warfare. A signal of warfare. It's used for worship in the tabernacle to bring the people up. It's used to, for, to start work. You know, but this one, it will be used for worship. Amen? We will worship Christ. And we know that it's going to be happening in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It, it says there, the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, those departed loved ones. Uh, Pastor Max there, my mom, still in a vase. You know, with her dust. There's nothing impossible, possible with God. Those 17, you know, biological, chem chemical composition of a Christian, wherever it is in the sea, under the earth, or wherever it is in the, in the air, God will, you know, miraculously, you know, put them back together in a glorified state. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I'll end with this, isn't it? The, the difference between the rapture and the revelation of Christ. Of course, there's a seven years gap. There's no specific sign for the rapture. It could happen any moment. But we know that it is near the rapture because there are signs and seasons for the great tribulation. As I mentioned a while ago, you know, the, like if you look at Revelation, uh, since Israel was reborn as a nation, the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37, 30. In Revelation, it says there that there will come a time that the two witnesses, Moses and another prophet, Elijah or Enoch, whoever it might be, 
they'll uh, preach the gospel, they will not be hurt, and the, 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 the world will be furious, especially the unholy trinity, the beast, the, pro the false prophet, the antichrist. They're able to kill them at some point, and the whole world will rejoice, and they will throw like a Christmas party, and the whole world will see their dead bodies. 50 years ago, isn't it? That's not possible. Like one thing that's happening in the world can be seen by the rest of the world. But right now it can be possible in our lifetime because of technology, because of social media, because of you know all these things that we have access to, to see communication and travel so, so easily accessible. So yeah, I thought of that, yeah. We heard like, oh, Christ is coming again soon. And, but since even in the start of this pandemic, isn't it? It's like a unification of people looking for a solution for this cure. It never happened before. There was a Spanish flu and this, but it was just like in a certain location. It's not global. It's not worldwide. It's not affecting everybody. Uh, this great reset. So this digital age that we're living in. So a lot of things are setting up the stage. Um, you know, uh, Gog and Magog, Russia coming back into power, taking over of Syria uh, past few years, isn't it? And this confederation of nations that will invade Israel who hates them. No, the rising of China in the east and, of course, Russia with the conflict right now. So uh, the birth pangs you know, uh, of the national disruption, spiritual de deception, apostasy that we heard a while ago, isn't it? And pestilences and famines are like birth pangs of intensity and frequency, you know, going and going, escalating and escalating for the coming great tribulation. So, it seems like we're near, all right? But, you know, the, the comfort from the scripture is, it says there, we have this great deliverance. Amen. The snatching away, the, you know, of the, be, the believers so they will not go through the wrath of God. So let's compare this quickly and we'll end. You know, the rapture is the first phase of Christ's coming. The revelation is his second phase after seven years tribulation as we see Revelation 19, verse 11 to 6. So, rapture, Christ will come for his saints, but in Revelation, he will come with his saints. Amen? It's private. The rapture is a secret coming. It's only for the believers. We're the only ones that will be taken out of this world. You know, we're the ones that will hear the trumpet sound, like that midnight cry. But Revelation is public. It's visible to all. Every eye will see him, the Bible says, especially those that pierced him. And will come from... You know, heaven to go to the Mount of Olives and will go through the eastern gate and he will split that valley and he will go to the temple as he had promised, you know, and he will establish his earthly millennial reign. He will come first and destroy his enemy at the Battle of Armageddon. Touchdown, it will be public. Then it will be in the clouds, the rapture in the air, but in the revelation of Christ, it's a touchdown on earth, Mount of Olives. It could happen any moment, imminent. The rapture, the revelation is after seven years, after the rapture, the great tribulation. So, it says there, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know why? Because we shall not all sleep. Maybe some of us, amen, or a lot of us will experience never tasting death. It could happen in our lifetime. So, what a great day that will be, amen, as our song has said. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for just reminding us of this wonderful passages of scriptures, Lord, and thank you, Lord, most of all for our salvation, that we are so undeserving, but you took the wrath of God, Lord, on the cross, and for the first time of 
all eternity, the Father has to turn his back from the Son because you bore the sins of the world, my sins and the sins of men. And it's so dark, it's so bad that the Father has to forsake the Son. But you did it, Lord, because of your grace, because of your love. And thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, that you promised that you will return again. And the message as we have seen in the video is we need to be ready. We need to keep our lamps burning. We need to occupy until you come. And we need to continue to focus on the things that matter for eternity. Our relationship with you, our witness before you. And even Brother Braille encouraged us this morning that we are your light and salt. And uh, help our witness to be better. And we acknowledge, Lord, our frailty. We acknowledge, Lord, our shortcomings. Because there are a lot of times we are sidetracked. We are distracted. We are discouraged. But as we see uh, the headlines, as we live in perilous times, as we see that the days is getting worse and worse, and even in Christendom, apostasy or the love of the many shall wax cold. But you're still looking for a remnant. You're still looking for your people that will just trust you and look after you. And may we be part of that, Lord. There they might come a time we'll, our lights will flicker or we might be cold or different, but you have a way of bringing us back as we always expose ourselves in thy word, in thy fellowship. That's why it's so important that we gather ourselves with Bible study. Uh, we gather ourselves with our family and pray. Most of all, we have an individual devotion to you. Because that's what really matters. We just enhance our life with our relationship with you as we pray, as we seek your will, as we just hold on to the promises you've given us. And thank you, Lord, because you are preparing a place for us in the Father's house. And we are just sending the construction materials, the building materials what we do with our life right now with our stewardship so we know our gathering this afternoon is not in vain it's not a waste of time because we dedicate it before you lord and thank you for the promise if you will tarry your coming it might be 10 20 50 years from now but the message is lord we are reminded that now we know the reason why and how you're coming we're not so much concerned with the when but you encourage us to be prepared, to make our preparation and occupy, occupy, because it's the best thing we can do in our life. While we do the normal daily things in life, study, work, uh, taking care of our family, our children, may we do it for your glory. May we do it for with our best. May we do it asking for your guidance and strength and at the same time, Lord, serve you and be a witness for you. And thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord truly that is our strength. And regardless what the mockers will say, the doubters will say, we still firmly believe in thy precious word, thy precious promise, Lord. So I hope, Lord, that this will comfort one another. 
even that wonderful truth that there is a great reunion that will be happening one day as we truly miss our departed loved ones who have gone to be with the Lord. But thank you, Lord, once again for that promise, for that promise of that great gathering. So help us, Lord, to continue to look unto Jesus, to look upon you, the author, the finisher of our faith. May our children always find the, the hunger and thirst for the Word of God, that they will read it, they will meditate upon it, and they will build their life foundation in the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And thank you, Lord, for what you reminded us today, for everything that you bless us with. We are grateful and thankful, Lord, for all of that. And now, bless the prayers of thy people. Strengthen us, O Father. Encourage us, O Father. Keep us safe. Help us to continue to do your will. Help us to continue to build your church here in this place. And also be uh, a witness to wherever you bring us, Lord, as you open doors of opportunity, Lord. It can be a simple giving of a gospel track. It might be a simple prayer that we can share. It may be a simple uh, explanation that somebody to somebody that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, he shed his blood for them on the cross. He wants to save them. He wants to have a relationship with them. And we are encouraged, Lord, that our job is only to share, to broadcast the seed, to pl uh, plant the seed, that you're the one who will give the, the increase, the fruit, Lord. And help us, Lord, to do it with courage, Lord, with wisdom to speak the truth in love. And uh, I know, Lord, you will make things right. You will take care of things. Uh, you will judge this world accordingly because you are just and a righteous God. All we need to do is, Lord, to co is continue to trust you and believe you. So, Father, Lord, in heaven, samahan mo po kami. Ingatan mo po kami for the next few days. And uh, we're very excited for the coming weekend, Lord, as we continue to learn about you, about Israel and your, your love, your prophecies with this nation, how it relates to us, Lord, and uh, help our speakers to come here uh, with good health and traveling mercy and help us, Lord, to encourage one another to support this. And we thank you, Lord, for everything. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.